0: at GraceKettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 1. Look at it with me. And seeing the multitudes, He, Jesus, went up into a mountain. And when He was set, His disciples came unto Him. And He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven." For so persecuted they the prophets, which were before you. You go on in verses 13 through 16, we find that he tells us your salt and your light. But all of that flows out of a life that's living according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Our Father, we are grateful to be here this morning. Truly we are. Thank you for allowing us to have this day, designing it for us to have a, a day to set aside to gather with your people and around your word. Lord, uh, we don't do this out of religious duty. Uh, truly, we do this because we get to. It's our privilege. It's our joy to be able to gather together in this place. And Lord, we don't want to just gather for gathering's sake. We, we need you to speak to us. Lord, my heart is hungry I acknowledge that without you, I can do nothing, we can do nothing. Lord, even without you, this, this meeting is very futile, it's worthless, it, it has no point. So Lord, we just acknowledge as we stand here before you this morning, that we need you. We need your word to speak to our hearts, or we need your Holy Spirit to illuminate your truth. Lord, we need you to take your truth and touch our hearts so that we are, are motivated to do according to your truth, to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers also. Lord, you've given us so much this past week. I feel like I'm still chewing and meditating on the things that you, you taught us. Lord, I pray that we would not just get accustomed to this gathering to hear new things, Lord, that we gather with a true hunger, just like it's said here, a hunger and thirst after righteousness. And would you indeed fill us, fill every hungry heart here. Lord, forgive us for filling up on so much of the entertainment and so much of the the distractions of this world that when we come to your word, sometimes we don't even have room to, to think on it. I pray that you would fill us, give us an appetite for your word. I pray that you would do eternal work in our hearts today. If there's anyone here that does not know you as Savior, I pray that you would speak directly and specifically. Lord, would would you win the victory in each of our hearts? We love you today, and we thank you for what you'll do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. This morning, as we embark on this series in the Beatitudes, it is only part of the the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount goes from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. It is the first public sermon that Jesus uh, spoke to people, and specifically to his disciples. Luke chapter 6 helps us understand that there are some other people that would have joined him for this this sermon, so it wasn't just the 12 disciples that were listening on that day, but he is specifically speaking to believers. He's uh, specifically speaking to those who have chosen to follow after him. And... Really, if a, if a person just takes the Beatitudes and um, begins to try to apply them into their life without the presence of the Lord Jesus in their life, without the help of the Lord Jesus, uh, without the, the saving grace of the Lord Jesus in their life, they'll, be, um, they'll come to despair. They'll, they'll be very disheartened at at, at the outcome because without him we indeed can do nothing we can't even live out the Christian life without his help And so it's very very important this year our theme is inside out We want to live out our relationship with Jesus Christ It is oftentimes and you know no doubt you've heard this before I don't go to church because it's a bunch of hypocrites there and that happens that statement happens by the way Everyone has a little bit of hypocrite in them. Amen <laughs> Right the reality, even the folks that, that give that as a, as a statement. But, but all of us need to strive to be real from the inside out. And that's what this, is, this, this year is all about, is, is really just honing in on that, because the reality is there are believers, followers of Christ, who will, who will be very concerned about the outside, trying to... Dot their I's and cross their T's and have everything together on the outside, but on the inside They're not being real It's 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 they have other distractions. They have other desires They're They're filling themselves with things that are not godly and and so on. So it, it is it is a hypocritical thing Jesus wants us to live out our relationship with him He wants it to come from our hearts and show up in our habits Sometimes people try to focus in on their habits rather than the heart Both are important, right? God sees the heart and the habits. Man sees the habits. Sometimes man looks at our lives and says, hey, something, something isn't matching up here. All right, that started out in the heart. So Jesus here in the Beatitudes really begins to deal with the attitudes that we ought to be maintaining or developing in our lives. He really is dealing with matters of the heart. As we look through this, and even we specifically look at verse 3 today, being poor in spirit is an attitude of the heart that Jesus wants us to develop. It's something that is internal, something that is, is focused inwardly, and we need to give attention to that. Pay attention to your heart. What does the Bible say in Proverbs 4 and verse number 23? Keep thy heart, help me, with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life right? So the Bible says a proverb, a wisdom truth, is that you guard your heart because out of it flows every part of your life. Every action, every word, every thought flows from your heart. And so it's so important that we keep and we guard our hearts. Uh, a um, A few months ago, back in August, uh, you remember Pastor Victor Dudley who preached while I was in Grenada, and oh, what a blessing he and his wife uh, wife are, and I appreciate his ministry, but we were actually, he was moving into the area, so he had asked, hey, I need my lawn to be mowed for a couple, uh, couple weeks, and so uh, my kids needed to earn some money for Grenada, so I said, hey, Count us in. We're going to go up there and we're going to mow the, the acreage. So uh, I met with them and I, I went up there and surveyed it. And it was, it was, I think, probably a little over an acre of, of property that needed to be um, maintained. So we brought our riding lawn mower and brought our push mower and weed whips. And we, um, Jack and Jason and I, we got to work. But the, the day that I arrived up there to do it for the first time, something was wrong in the backyard. Uh, when I was there, all the trees were beautiful. They were standing, and this, uh, this willow tree was beautiful uh, in the backyard. But when I arrived there that day, that willow tree, that tree was on the ground. Now, we had had a windstorm the night before, and I don't know if you can really make this out, I didn't get a broad, um, broad picture, but this tree that was standing very strong had fallen down with a little bit of wind that night. And you know what was amazing about this? I sent him some pictures because it just missed his gutters. I mean, it, 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 it brushed the gutters. It just missed the power line. God was really watching out for him in this situation. It, it missed everything. It just landed perfectly on the ground. But the fact is, that tree was rotten on the inside. It looked good on the outside, but it was rotten on the inside. You know, Jesus is very concerned with your inward character. And friends, you and I we, we focus so much on the externals. How do I appear to people? How do I come off to people? But if the heart is not right, if the attitude of my life is not right, there will be trouble some point along the way. At some point, a windstorm will reveal what is really going on in the inside. A crisis will reveal what is going on in the inside. And we need to give attention to the matters of the heart. We need to give attention to the matters of our attitudes. So the Beatitudes is really uh, Jesus saying, I'm going to bless certain attitudes of the heart. I'm going to bless certain mindsets of the heart. I want you to develop these in your life. The blessed life is a life that will continue to stand even when the winds of time come, even when there's storms, even when there's great crisis. And it's then that the grace of God, the grace of God can uphold and bring you through and make you stronger through that, through that difficulty. We've looked at Matthew five verses 11 through 12. Our focus this morning is going to be on verse number three, and we'll take a beatitude a week and study on it and sit on it, meditate upon it. I want us to know that beatitudes just simply means a brief blessing. A brief blessing that the Lord is giving. The Beatitudes are a part of this Sermon on the Mount, a much larger sermon, but it's well-known. I hope that you will not allow uh, the fact that it's well-known to cause it to just be kind of little pithy statements. These are, these are super easy. These are something you would put on a, you know, put on a wall somewhere. You put on a hanging. You no, know, if we really meditate on these, these are absolutely uh, opposed to our human way of thinking. Everything inside of what Jesus is saying here in these these attitudes that he wants us to develop goes against The the grain of our of our human nature We don't want to be poor in spirit. We don't want to mourn. We don't want to be persecuted We don't want to to seek after righteousness or hunger. There's so many other good things to seek after there's so many other good things the world makes it very pleasurable, like a, a lure for a, for um, for fishing. It makes it look so pleasurable, like this is the way. This is the way you ought to go. No, he says, I want you to focus on these attitudes of the heart, and they are that which I can bless you. Now, notice the location of this sermon that Jesus preaches. It's up on a mountain. It's by the by the Sea of Galilee, the north. Western part of the Sea of Galilee, so he, uh, he a place that he often resorted to. He did a lot of ministry around the Sea of Galilee. You know Capernaum, uh, and he was there many times there in Capernaum. But there at the northwestern side of the Sea of Galilee, he is, he is up on a mountain or a plain. In Luke, it says he had gone further up to pray. Uh, he prayed all, all night long, and he came down into a plain, so a, a plateau there on the, on, the, uh, on the mountain. If you show us the next picture, you can kind of get a little bit of the glimpse of where Jesus might have been uh, overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And he has his disciples there along with some others that met him according to Luke, met him there at this location, and he began to teach. I do want us to understand that many times spiritual lessons do require us to go out of the way. They require us to take some time and spend an extra several nights in church listening to a revival speaker. They require us to get alone with God and shut off the noise of the world. They require us to maybe take a little bit of a climb, But spiritual lessons rarely are are just just learned in in ease and in convenience. Oftentimes they take a little bit of effort. So the mountain was out of the way. The mountain uh, took effort to, to get up to it. It was an incline. It would have taken time for people to be there, and it would have taken dedication. They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say in that moment. And I just ask us this morning, are you willing to take effort or expend effort to learn what Jesus has for you? Are you willing to to maybe set aside some things that you typically do in order to give ear to the voice of the Lord Jesus and what he wants to teach us? Spiritual lessons often take effort. They often require something of us. They often require us to to sacrifice something in our life, sacrifice some time or sacrifice something that we we might truly love or something that is more pleasurable to us. And we set aside so that we can learn. I want us to understand the context of this of this passage of scripture is always in light of the religious groups all around Christ. Jesus was, was preaching in a day when the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes and the high priest had an iron grip on the populace. They, they, they controlled them with tradition. They controlled them with rules and laws and, and heaping on them all sorts of traditions of men. And so the people had this mindset of, I've got to work uh, in order to be accepted of God. I have to do this. I have to do that. I, can't, I can only walk so many steps on the Sabbath day. And so there was this constant mindset of, of meritorious thinking or performing in order to be accepted of God. And Jesus said, uh, the Pharisees, they are focused all on the outside. On the outside, you guys are like whited sepulchers. You, you, you're like a, a tomb that has a good paint job. The inside, you're, you're ravenous wolves. You have rottenness. You have dead men's bones inside. And, and Jesus said, that's the way that they, they come off. On the outside, it looks all good. You have all everything in order, but on the inside, it's not the same. So the Pharisees stand in stark contrast to what Jesus was asking his followers to develop. I also want us to realize that in that day, material blessing, having possessions was a sign of being blessed of God. So as Jesus would say things here about the inward attitude that his followers were to develop, it went went in the face of, it, it went directly against everything they had learned from the religious leaders, everything they had grown up accustomed to, And he's saying, no, this isn't the way that I want you to go. I want you to go with me. I want you to develop this in your heart so that you can live it out for me, for the the glory of God and for the good of the lost. And so the emphasis of the Beatitudes is that God blesses inward character. God blesses inward character. What good is outward obedience if our hearts are full of envy and strife and evil thoughts? God blesses inward character. And the key that we want to notice today is that God blesses inward character that has humility and surrender. Notice with me in our passage, verse number 3. Would you read that out loud together with me and uh, get your, your voice uh, awakened and read it good and loud with me? Ready, begin. Verse number 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, I won't touch on this every single week, But I want us to notice the divine announcements that Jesus is giving here. Eight times he says, blessed. I don't know about you, when Jesus said something is blessed, I want to be all about it, right? Are you with me about that? I want to be in on that. And eight times he says something is blessed. Uh, On that last beatitude, the the one that he says, blessed are they which are persecuted, he continues that on and and doubles that blessing uh, to those that are persecuted for living right. And so we have nine different times where he says, listen, I want you to know these folks, these who develop these attitudes and these that walk in this way are blessed. The blessing is not future. It is not past, but it is present to those who heed the message of King Jesus. To those that say, yes, sir. Just like we learned this past week, hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so those that heed the message, those are the ones that have a present blessing. Do you want to be blessed with the Lord? Now, typically we think very quickly about the temporal blessings. But Jesus, again, is not speaking about you just having a nice car. That's what the consumeristic religion of our day has done to blessing. And I want us to realize that that was the same in that day just they didn't have lexuses to drive or whatever. They had, you know, name brand chariots or whatever. They had, I don't know, you know, special breed of donkey. Oswald Chambers writes on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, "Blessed are" and his hearers must have been staggered by what followed. According to Jesus Christ, they were to be blessed in each condition uh, that from earliest childhood they had been taught to regard as a curse. What Jesus is about to say in their minds is just revolutionary. No, 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 no. There's no blessing in being poor in spirit. And he continues on. Our Lord was speaking to Jews, and they believed that the sign of the blessing of God was material prosperity in every shape and form. And yet Jesus said, blessed are you for exactly the opposite. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they who mourn. Now think about that. In their day, this, was, this went against their thinking. And friends, in our day, it goes against our thinking. When you talk about blessing of God, Many people, most people are going to think about material possessions. I'm blessed of God, so I have such and such. I'm blessed of God, so I, 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 I don't have this, this physical problem. I'm, I'm blessed of God, and we think of um, physical, material, temporal things. We as Americans think of blessing, and oftentimes we'll say, we live in a blessed nation. We live in a blessed nation. And while I don't disagree with that, and I thank the Lord for the blessings that we have experienced, many of the things we call blessings are not the real blessings of God, are not the the true blessings that we find here in this passage of Scripture. Oftentimes we think of blessing just as our wealth, just as the technology that we enjoy or the convenience that we have or the, the power that we, we have in the world, or, or the medical achievements. These are all the blessings. We always look to something that is tangible, something that is, is, is physical. Jesus' blessings are far beyond that. Oh, how we need to learn that. We were a blessed nation when we regarded God as the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, Psalm 33 says. That was true Blessing. And we're watching that God is removing the blessing and, and some of the, the, the consequential surface blessings around it, if you want to you say of uh, the, the temporal things around it that came as a result of saying, "You're the Lord and we honor you." I'll tell you what, there was nothing more impactful to me than to stand in that government school down in Grenada and hear songs of Christ being sung, led by the teachers, and listen to the headmaster saying, "We need God's Word in our schools." And I started sharing that around with folks here in our own town. They said, that would be amazing if that happened in, in, our, in our country. That was, that was the day when we had true blessing, when we are acknowledging God as the Lord. You know what? When we acknowledge God as the Lord, there's a lot of tangibles that come along with that, blessings that come along with that. You watch as God removes his hand of blessing upon our nation because we stop saying, you're the Lord. We stopped acknowledging him. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse number 8, it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. You know, we can be spoiled by the mindset that blessings, the blessings of God are only temporal. The world thinks that way. And you know what? Much of Christianity in our country has begun to think that way. In fact, there are whole groups of people that, that center their ministry around temporal blessings as, the, as a sign of God's blessings. If you have this, if you have wealth, if you have health, then you're blessed of God. And that's exactly what Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees in that day, that was their mindset. If you have possessions, if you have prominence, if you have positions, if you have provision, if you have pleasure, then you're blessed of God. Jesus was speaking very differently here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke 12 and verse number 15. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. What was Jesus saying? Listen, you are, the, the things you possess don't necessarily mean you're blessed. There are a lot of people in this life who have everything they can, money can buy, but they don't have the blessing of God upon their life. They don't have the blessing of peace in their life they're in constant turmoil. Their relationships are in constant turmoil. Jesus says it isn't the abundance of things that ha- that you have that amount to blessing or God's blessing. Now, the converse of this, the converse side of this is 1 Timothy 6:17. The Bible says, "Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God." Now, God does does allow people to have wealth i'm thankful for the 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 wealth the provision that god has given to us in this country i'm thankful for that we ought not despise that we ought to realize it is it is something that god gives but notice it is god it says in this verse who giveth us richly all things to enjoy Richly all things to enjoy. So it's not the idea that well, we're just gonna you know sell everything we have and we're gonna go live without anything you know on some sort of compound and just you know live in that way just stripped down. That's not the idea. God does give us all things richly to enjoy, but we cannot forget that the real blessings are things such as peace and His, his reconciliation with the Father and and knowing that we're walking with God in a relationship with Him, not just these temporal things. So Jesus was saying, blessed are you for these attitudes, blessed are you for these mindsets of heart, which go exactly against the current thinking of that day. Blessed is to be characterized by happiness, but it goes much further than that. It's to be highly favored. Mary, the mother of Christ, was highly favored. She was blessed among women. It has the idea of being favored or blessed as by divine grace, divine enablement, God's sustaining grace. Those that are blessed do experience joy in their hearts. It's the opposite of woe, it's the opposite of a curse. Jesus is pronouncing, he's announcing blessing upon those that seek these attitudes. It is spiritual in this context, versus physical. It's spiritual, something that that God blesses us in our our spirit. It's eternal versus temporal. There might be some uh, after effects of it that are are temporal, but the reality is it's eternal. It's eternal blessings that, that Jesus Christ gives. Proverbs 10 and verse number 22, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. He addeth no sorrow with it. Now, many of the blessings that the world thinks of wealth in and of itself, many people lose much sleep over trying to care for it, maintain it, and not lose it. God says the blessings I add to your life, there's no sorrow with it. You don't regret it. You don't wake up and say, I can't believe that. No, there's no sorrow with the blessing of God. We can rejoice and enjoy the blessing of God. It's something that there's no law against. It's not condemnable. It's it's not something that's going to hurt. There's no sorrow with it. Much of what we call the blessings of God are not the real blessings. I'm not trying to downplay uh, temporal things that God gives to us and provides for us. God is a provider. Aren't you thankful for that? He is a provider. But let's look at the real blessings. Let's look at the blessings that, that he describes here. Let's think about the fact that we're blessed today because he showed mercy on our sinful souls. What do you think about that? Mercy. I didn't deserve it. You don't deserve it. What about the fact that you can have a personal relationship with your creator? People wonder, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? You can have a personal relationship with your creator that that reveals that. That helps you to understand that. What about, as a believer, grace to help in time of need? Hebrews 4 and verse number 16. At any time, you can go into the throne room of God and ask him for grace to help in time of need. Wow, what a blessing. What a true blessing. What about that present help in trouble that the psalmist speaks about? He's, he's always there. He's a present help. He's, he's nearby. He's like, he's like at the, on the Sea of Galilee when Peter stepped out and began to look at the waves. And, and he, goes, he, he begins to sink, and the Lord was right there to give him a hand. He's a present help in trouble. Yes, what a blessing. What about the fruit of the Spirit? Love and joy and peace. The Bible says there's no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Those that are apart from God, he says, there's no peace. There's no, there's no calm of mind, no calm of heart. There's a constant striving. Am I good enough for God? Have I arrived? There's a constant working. There's a constant motion. But to, to the believer, he says, I give you peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. No matter what happens in your life, I promise you I can give you peace even through the most difficult of times. What a blessing. What a blessing. Think about the long-suffering that he gives us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to suffer long and difficult circumstances, to persevere gentleness, goodness, temperance, faith, all these blessings that he gives us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we humbly ask him for it. He says, blessed, blessed. Eight times and even nine, doubling it on the last, he announces blessing to those that develop attitudes and will follow his way. Don't you want to be blessed? Don't you want to develop and develop the mindset that Christ was preaching here on this day? I certainly do, and we ought to ask the Lord to help us with that. But notice not just the the, the divine announcement that Jesus was giving that was very countercultural, but good, good for us and, and to the glory of God. But notice the humble spirit, the humble attitude that he was was specifically um, giving a blessing to. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Let's say that together. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, those that are destitute in spirit. Those that that are beggarly in spirit. You say, I don't want to be that. Well, most of the world doesn't. In fact, inside of us, something revolts against that you mean I don't have what it takes to live this life? I don't have what it takes to have victory? I don't have what it takes to go through life? No, he says, listen, I want you to, I want you to know there's a special blessing to those who recognize themselves as poor and destitute before God. As in very need, very much in need before God. The, the verb here is the idea, or the, the, the original word is uh, the idea of of kind of a crouching, it's a very graphic word, crouching like a beggar, one that is hunched over one that is that is uh, laboring under the, the sense of their own need they have gone without and the idea is not not physical, it's very very much spiritual and the attitude of heart that before my creator, before almighty God, I have great need, I am destitute I don't have anything we find this in the book of John chapter 15 and verse number five. When Jesus said, you abide in me and I in you. For without me, ye can do what? Nothing, nothing. That is the spirit that Jesus was preaching on that day and that particular message. Without me, friends, you can do nothing. Nothing at all. That is the spirit that he was wanting to develop in his followers over and over again. Romans 12 and verse number three. For this I say, through the grace of Given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I don't know about you. We don't have to be encouraged to think more highly of ourselves. We do have to um, be encouraged to think less highly of ourselves. What Jesus was getting at here is I want in you a humble spirit, I want in you a humble attitude. I want you to see yourself as a beggar before before a holy God, before the the infinite God of the universe. I want you to see yourself as incapable of doing anything without him, without his presence in your life, without his grace in your life. It's really God is calling us to have an honest assessment of ourselves. It is easy for us to misassess ourselves. It's easy for us to wake up and go into the day, I'm doing pretty good. If we take a look into the perfect law of liberty, the mirror of God's word, we realize, you know what? I have needs today. In reality, I'll have needs every day I wake up here on earth until I'm glorified in heaven. How about you? Right? We'll have needs every single day. We, we are beggarly before him. He's calling us to humility, not a false humility. Now, some people will go around saying, I'm just worthless. Right? We're not talking about a false humility. It's an honest assessment of ourselves. Humility is not thinking uh, less of ourselves as much as it is thinking more of God. So here's, here's the idea. Sometimes people get very self-focused and it's a false humility. They are all focused on, I'm worthless, I can't do anything, and they begin to talk about themselves in that way. Their focus is still on them, right? The focus is still here. Humility, true humility, is a focus on God. He's big, he's powerful, he's strong, he's infinite. He has all the grace that I could ever need. He's always available for me, and the thoughts are very, very high about him. And when my thoughts are high about him, I'll, I'll see myself in the right view. I'll see myself in the right way. I'll have true humility. So it's not thinking less of myself, it is thinking more of God. It's seeing myself as helpless before my creator. Not a false helplessness. I can't do anything. You know, just this kind of slumped shoulders and and, you know throwing up the hands, throwing in the towel. I can't do anything. No, it's not a, a false sense of helplessness. It is exactly what he said. For without me, ye can do nothing. I acknowledge that. Amen to that. That's me. That's me. I can do nothing without him. I am helpless without my Jesus. Now, some people will boldly say, listen, I'm good enough for God. And God certainly will accept me. I'm good enough for God. I'm a pretty good person. Or sometimes believers will say, I'll never turn my back on, on God. Boy, that always really troubles me when I hear someone get bold like that. And in the short time I've been in the ministry, I have I have watched and observed people who have said that and made declarations like that and watched them slip up and fall. Why? Because they didn't sense their own helplessness before God. Paul said, but for the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You can't look at one person who has fallen into any sin and say, I'll I'll never turn back on God. I'll never go there. No, no, no. But for the grace of God, we could all do that. A true sense of helplessness. I want you to notice Luke 18 and verse number 10. I believe this story that Jesus gives, this story that Jesus observes of the, of the Pharisee and the publican. Luke 18, we have the, the publican who, who is very, very <laughs> sold on himself. He thinks much of himself. Two men went up to the, the temple, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. Verse number 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Do you notice this? He prayed with himself. With himself. Not to God. With himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as, this one always gets me, even as this publican. Like the arrogance of that. Like someone standing up in here, and Brother Moore is praying this morning, I, I thank you that I am not as, and you know, he, mentions, he mentions someone's name. I mean, just the ooh, the, 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 the irony, the, the, uh, the struggle of that. I mean, just kind of tense. I, I can imagine other people around saying, man, what is this guy doing? But he says, he goes on, he doesn't stop there. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess, including my mint and my garlic from my garden. <laughs> he didn't say that in there, but he said all that he possesses, they did, they did tithe on their, on their gardens as well. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. What's Jesus teaching through this? Through drawing out this illustration, a real-life illustration, two individuals, one was not poor in spirit the other one was very much poor in spirit who got justified who was made right with god the one who was poor in spirit the one who had that attitude from the heart god is not impressed with our boasting god is not impressed with our our bragging about ourselves he is not impressed with us saying well i i could never do that or i've never done that every once in a while uh, in the raising of children I uh, find this very interesting. One will get called out for being in trouble. Right? And uh, especially in the youngers, they learn as they grow up uh, that it isn't proper to do this. And they immediately chime up, well, I didn't do that. Back down. <laughs> uh, don't be so prideful. Right? I didn't do that. Well, I didn't say that. And and it's amazing how we as as individuals can be very arrogant, we see something happening in someone else's life. Well, I didn't do that. No, we need a poor spirit, even in relation to that. By the way, the Bible says Galatians six and verse number one: "Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness." Do you know how important a poorness in spirit is in regards to helping erring brothers and sisters? How much of a realization that I I have the capacity because I have flesh that is wicked. I have the capacity to do any sin. And so there's a poorness in spirit that Jesus is calling upon them to maintain and to develop. McDonald says this does not refer to a natural disposition, but to one's deliberate choice and discipline. It's something that I'm deliberately working on. This week we need to deliberately seek God for a poorness in our spirit, for a, a desire in our spirit to be humble before God. Uh, these, in this case, as we've noticed, the the beatitude the, the is very countercultural. Our, our culture is all about self-praise and advancing one uh, ourselves and, and seeing how many likes we can get and what everyone's opinion is about us. God says, no, no, no. I want you to have a poorness in spirit be poor in spirit chambers went on to say as long as we have a conceited self-righteous idea that we can do any undo the thing if god will help us god has has to allow us to go until we break the neck of our ignorance over some obstacle then we will be willing to come to and come and receive from him the bedrock Of Jesus Christ's kingdom is poverty, not possession. Not decisions for Jesus Christ, but a sense of absolute futility. I cannot begin to do it. I can't even start to do it without him. I am absolutely poor in spirit. I need him. I need him. The reason you and I don't experience the grace of God in our life, the blessing of God in our life, is because we have not come to that point. I cannot do anything without him. You wonder, you look at a person's life and say, how is it that God continues to use them? It seems like God's hand is upon them. I don't understand it. I, I, I try the same thing. Mark it down. Friends, they've come to a place where they've realized they're absolutely poor before the Lord. And they need him in every move. They need him for every ministry. They need him for every part of their life. They need him for their job. They need him to exercise their skills. They need him for wisdom. They need him in every area of their life. The grace of God is upon those that seek him with a humble heart. The Bible says in Isaiah 66 in verse number two, for all those things hath hath mine hand made, speaking of God creating the worlds, and all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look. All that I, all that I've made, I look to this man. I look to the the crowning jewel of my creation when he does this. But to this man will I look. Even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. That's the man that I'm going to look to. That's the man that I'm going to pay attention to. That's the man that I'm going to say, I can give him some grace. I can help him through because he is humble before me. May the Lord help us to uh, take an honest assessment of our lives. that we would not not allow ourselves to be conceited, thinking high of ourselves. We've come through this week, and we've learned a lot of wonderful truths, but friend, if you try to exercise the truths, if you try to put the the things you've learned into practice that we've learned in this past week in your own strength, you're going to come to a place of despair. You'll be like, man, it didn't work didn't work. No, it must be exercised. It must be practiced with a poorness of spirit. God, I need you. I can't do this. Not in a false sense of humility, honest, honestly assessing ourselves. I cannot be a father. I cannot be a mom. I cannot be a, a, an efficient, good workman that honors you in my, my place of work. I can't exercise my skill without your help. And it, we see ourselves in need before him. We see ourselves in need that he would help us love one another as we ought to love. To love sacrificially as we learn. To forgive uh, to forgive uh, as we ought to forgive. To forgive with his type of forgiveness. To, to be fruitful in our lives, in our Christian experience. We need him. Now, one of the, the most powerful examples of a church in the new testament that had the wrong thinking in this this regard was the church of laodicea the church of laodicea revelation 20 uh, chapter 3 and verse number 17 it, it says jesus commenting about them remember they were they were not cold and they were not hot they just kind of settled down to room temperature lovely lovely uh, not not super awesome he says, in fact, because of that, um, I, I have the urge to spew you out of my mouth. It, it, is, it, is, it is repulsive to God to just be kind of settled down, kind of in that neutral zone, right? I'm just going to settle down. He says this in ver, on chapter 3, verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, you remember it? And have need of nothing. And have need of nothing. And... Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? Listen, they were poor before the Lord. <laughs> that was the reality. They just didn't realize it. That wasn't their attitude. We got everything we need, we have everything that we need. Jesus counseled them in verse number 19 to repent and be zealous. And he counsels us today in the same way repent. Don't allow the arrogance that we see out in the world, don't allow the arrogance that is inherent, innate to our flesh to rise up. Say, you know, I don't need anything. I'm good. I'm good without God. That is exactly what the the humanists say on their own. I am good without God. May that that philosophy not creep into into our minds. May we not absorb that attitude. Man must recognize God's adequacy and his own inadequacy. That is what we need. May the Lord help us with that. But notice one more thing here. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Say the last phrase with me. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One more time. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So why is the the blessed man blessed? What about his life? What, what, What do we see in his life? He says, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Remember this. Before Jesus Christ came into your life, you dwelt in the kingdom of darkness you were in the kingdom that was ruled and operated was governed by satan you were a child of darkness you were an enemy of god your flesh dominated every decision that you made in fact you had to obey according to romans 6 you had to obey the impulses of your flesh The fact is that at the cross, when you came by faith to Jesus Christ, your old man died and a new man died came to live within, it became a reality, you now have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, you're under the control of him. In fact, the Bible says in Colossians 1 and 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's not a future thing. He's done that at the moment of salvation. We were translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Why are the poor in spirit blessed? Because theirs, their reality, their, the kingdom they exist in, the kingdom they live in is the kingdom of heaven. It is the authority of God. It's the reign of God. They no longer rule their own life, but they're under the rule of Christ. Listen, those that are poor in spirit recognize, I don't need to go the flesh's way anymore. I don't need to go that way. I don't need to be subservient to Satan anymore. I don't have to listen to my flesh. I can yield my my members uh, 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 as instruments of righteousness, not as instruments of of darkness. I don't have to sin anymore. I don't have to continue in that way. And so here we see that Jesus says they're blessed because they live a surrendered life, not only a humble attitude, but a surrendered life. The Bible says in Philippians uh, 2 and verse number 30, Three in verse number 20, I'll get it. For our conversation, our lifestyle is in heaven. In heaven, we have a different kingdom that we're operating in. We have a different kingdom that we're living out our lives in. We aren't living for this kingdom here on earth. We are to be good citizens. We are to obey. We are to be a part of society. But the fact is, our heavenly citizenship is in heaven with him. We have a different conversation now. We have a different life that's being lived out now. The kingdom of heaven here means the reign of God in the heart and life. Before you were saved, you lived as you pleased. You lived according to the, the prince and the power of the air. You lived according to your own your, your own fleshly desires. But now we live in the kingdom of God. We live in the kingdom of heaven. There's two, uh, two, two applications, if you will, of the Sermon on the Mount as a whole. One is a very literal application that it serves, the Sermon on the Mount serves as a constitution, the way that, that the kingdom of Christ is going to be, uh, is going to be operated. Uh, in his coming kingdom, it, it, uh, it serves as a constitution. It is, a, it is literal in that way. But the Sermon on the Mount also explains the type of kingdom or rulership God is to have in your life and in my life right now, in your hearts. The kingdom has not come yet. We're looking forward to one day that thousand year rule of Jesus Christ. After he comes back, his second coming comes down for for Armageddon and with one word of his mouth, he destroys all the armies of the world that have have come against Israel and then he sets up that literal 1,000 year reign. And you know what? That's going to be a reign of righteousness. That's going to be a beautiful time where an absolutely perfect leader, a perfect leader that the world is seeking and craving after today, will one day sit on the throne of David, his name is Jesus Christ, and this is gonna be the constitution. But right now, we don't have to wait for that, that is what he wants to be happening in our lives. The reason there's a blessing to those that are poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They have realized their absolute need for God and they've surrendered their life, Lord, whatever you want from me. Thy will be done, thy will be done. We find in the, later on in this passage of scripture, Matthew 6 and verse number 10. The, Thy kingdom come is the prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the heart of the, the kingdom follower, the, the follower of Jesus Christ. That's his heart. I want your will to be done in my life. I, exactly what you want done in heaven or you determine would happen in heaven is to be done in my heart. I want to follow your will. Your will is my highest priority. We cannot know the blessing of God apart from Absolute surrender. We can't enjoy the blessing that Jesus is talking about here apart from absolute surrender. Humility and absolute surrender. Bible calls us in Romans twelve and verse number one, on the basis of us being saved and brought into this glorious kingdom of his dear Son. He says, On the basis of that, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Absolute surrender. Once you sacrifice something, it's sacrificed. It's a total sacrifice. Only then can we love God as we ought to love. Only then can we fulfill his purposes as we ought to. Jesus himself exemplified this when he prayed in the garden. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. What a perfect pattern for us absolute surrender yours is the kingdom i want your kingdom to have absolute sway in my life andrew murray said the condition for obtaining god's full blessing is absolute surrender to him and that is something that we've lost in this day we hear god speak maybe even through a message or even a message this past week and we confer with others is this what i ought to do is this what I ought to say? Is this the, the thing that I ought to follow through in? And we don't heed the voice of the Holy Spirit. We don't say yes to him. We, we, we reason about it. We justify it. We talk it through. Well, I'll take a, a week and pray on that. Now, sometimes we have to discern the will of the Lord. But the reality is, many times when the Holy Spirit speaks, we know exactly what to do. And the only thing that is needed is to say, yes, sir. I'll do it. Absolute Surrender. So those who are poor in spirit, they know I can't draw close to God without God. I can't serve without His divine enablement. I can't fill myself with the Holy Spirit of God. These aren't things I can do. I cannot do anything without Jesus. I need Him. I hope that's your spirit today. I need Him. Now, let me just bring this around. This isn't, this isn't, God's not looking for a bunch of whoop puppies. You understand what I'm saying? Uh. I'm weak. He's strong. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And there is great victory to be had when we realize our position before an infinite God. Finite me before an infinite God. Temporal me. I have an expiration date before an infinite, immortal God. Why would I think high of myself? I don't know if I'll make it to tomorrow. Why would I think high of myself like I, I can tell God what to do? No. Poorness in spirit. God, I need you so much. Let's finish this up with an illustration. You know it well, the life of Peter. Peter illustrates this so very, very well. Do you remember that interaction as Jesus was was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, Jesus is talking about the death that he's going to be he's going to be facing, and Peter says to him, he says, "Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended." You know, when we just read bi- the Bible, it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting. Now, you and I have probably been there at some point in our life, our, our spiritual journey. I've heard, I've heard believers, and unfortunately, I've said that on those types of things. I'll never be offended. John. Uh, 21 Jesus comes to him after he had been nigh the uh, the fireside Do you remember this week reading in that if you're reading through the the one-year Bible you read about that uh, that that dialogue? and it was really really uncomfortable to to watch that go down with Peter and 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 those those um, those damsels those uh, Young ladies that came to him you're with you're with that guy you're with that Jesus you're you're Galilean I your speech even betrays you you're with him. and and he, he vehemently opposed and even cursed. And he says, I know not the man. The Bible says as soon as he had denied Christ three times, that cock crew, what happened to Peter? The Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. At one point in one of the Gospels, it says that Jesus saw him, looked at him. So here we have a man that says, I can do this I got this Christian life thing I'll stand for Jesus I won't be like the others who've, who've fallen away not me I'll not be offended I'll not be tripped up what, by what's going to happen you know what's amazing is in John 21 Jesus comes to him you know the scenario at the seashore where Jesus asks him three times Peter do you love me well Lord you know you know I love you Jesus and Peter, do you love me? Lord, you, you know all things. It's a little bit hot under the collar. I mean, no doubt some shame, guilt, regret. It's, do you love me? Do you love me like a brother? Lord, you know all things. Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. You know what's interesting is the Peter that was hasty in the garden, the Peter that lopped off the guard's ear the Peter that was constantly saying things. We move over to Acts chapter number 2, and we see a man who obeyed Christ, surrendered everything, now very humble before him, goes to the upper room with the other 120 believers, prays and seeks God for those 10 days. Then on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, powers them, by the way, the Holy Spirit only empowers surrendered lives. Humble, surrendered lives. Powers them. Many spake. Everyone there was hearing the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ in their own language. And then it seems the story focuses in on Peter, who stands up in answer to those that saying, you all are drunk. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not in the ninth hour here. And there's no way, even if we were drinking, that be drunk on the the wine. No way. And he begins to preach and preach Jesus Christ. On that day, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through a humble surrendered vessel, Peter preaches Christ and 3,000 people come to the Lord Jesus Christ that day. Now I want us to think about that. We, we look at the blessings of God sometimes as the temporal things, but friends, on that day, I can guarantee you, Peter and all those around him, all those that were experiencing the blessing of God that day were certainly thankful that they were poor in spirit. Certainly thankful that they had surrendered to the Holy Spirit, that they had been on their faces for 10 days together saying, we need you, we need your power, we need your help. We can't do this without you. We've been walking with you for three years and now you're gone. We need something. And he sent the Holy Spirit to give them power. Friends, that's the same Holy Spirit that is here and alive and well in this world and wants to continue to give you and I power today, but it only happens through humility and surrender surrendered hearts. And may we just seek the Lord for that for a moment before we leave today. Lord, I, I do admit, I think a lot of myself, and even I sometimes in, in my effort to curb that i i just try to think less of myself lord i've realized today i need to think higher of you i need to think more of you lord i i need you to take my life i'm giving it to you every every closet every item my own every part of my thinking it's all yours i i'm taking the hands off my life i'm not going to try to maneuver my life manipulate it manipulate circumstances to get what i want it's all yours And I give it back to you. All this, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father, would you bless us today as we respond to your word and as we seek to be poor in spirit, acknowledging our own need before you, surrendering our lives, living according to the rule of your kingdom in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. with their heads bowed, let's stand to our feet this morning. I invite you today to come and pray, find a place of prayer. God, I think much, much too much of myself. I see my need to focus on you and to pray and to think high of you. Think of your greatness. Lord, today I'm giving myself 100% to you. Hands are off my life. As the music plays, you find a place to pray and do business with the Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.